Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Um, well, a week, fascinating story from the 50s. Uh, amazing yes. tale of an England player that up sticks and went to Colombia. I know, man. I never, I never knew this New story. Book. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, we had a National League chat. I know we did, yeah. Focus. Despite oh. your better judgment, yeah, I know. it actually good. turned out quite well. We also spoke uh, to a man that not only manages uh, a band... He also works with jockeys to make sure they can safely maintain their weight. That's two interesting jobs in one, isn't it? It is. So uh, he was a very interesting guy, ex-jockey. So, and we had a chat, and we had oh, got yeah. the listeners involved today talking about things you were banned from. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And good afternoon, everyone. Oh, somebody. yeah. Pointed out that I don't. And he say got a bit of uh, a listener to, took um, <laughs> took umbrage. Yeah. Well, well, that, good, that, well, good afternoon, everyone, except you, mate, who complained about me. <laughs> <laughs> because he said, "Well, Paul says good afternoon, yeah, everyone. Good, good afternoon, Andy." And Andy just says, "Good afternoon, Paul." John was very sensible. He didn't tell me to the end of the show on Friday because he knew I go absolutely bonkers. Yeah, on you air. took it well. I thought. <laughs> oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you took it. Delighted. To heart. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was watching All or Nothing last night. I know yeah, you so were. was I. Such a brilliant documentary. It's mm. so fascinating. But I'm sure this didn't slip your attention uh, last night's one that I was watching the fifth one about the transfer window and Daniel Levy he says as we all know the action only happens at the end of the window I was thinking well it is if you wait for it yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant yeah. it does from your point of view <laughs> keeping us all on tender fascinating yeah it was very interesting a lot of interesting mm. talking points coming out of it um, it shows you how prices have changed because slippers you know your, your favourite Jetson yeah so he might be turn out to be a very good right back he arrived on a loan option available to buy uh, for 50, 50 million, million euros, yeah. So you Maybe look at, at that time, looking but not about now. 43 million pounds, and you'd say in this market, that's the trouble. All mm. those deals that were done, I know. I mean, I wonder I if they'll be market adjusted. That's well, a very think, good point. I think Andy. they're going to have to be because, because you know, if you now go back to uh, it was Benfica he came from, wasn't yeah. it? If you go back to Benfica now and say, well, look, come on. You know, blimey, we've seen we've seen players go, we've seen Van der Beek go for forty million quid. I know. Let's you know. But he not, might, look, yeah, I, you've still got to hold out hope for him, and you know, yeah, he's, no, he's a very there. young player. 
Bit and um, anyway, the thing about Jose Mourinho, whatever you think of him, you know, and he's, a, he, he's sort of <coughs> controversial, <coughs> doesn't he? But you can't say he doesn't take a club on, you know, in terms of the history, he knows about it, the yeah. way he is with the people in the club, the way he was at Christmas, the way he was when he went to meet the people for the first time. There's something about him, you know, I've I'm, mm. I'm been impressed well, with his management. Well, certainly for just shy of 36 months, there's something about him, but at, at that point, something... Oh, there's that's a, the big mystery. A, a mean, switch gets flicked, doesn't that it? That is the mystery. <laughs> What on earth what happens, happens, in, what happens after three years? Maybe he's only got three years worth of charm in him. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> That's very and then he has to he has to have a reboot. Yeah. But there's some interesting stuff come out of it. The Danny Rose stuff is fascinating. To actually have a player mm. calling out a manager for not getting games. All I would say is the dressing room may have been feeling that uh, Danny should be starting every game. They were probably too scared to say otherwise. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... But I think, the yeah. fans weren't. I can only no. tell you that there, there was... there was very Of my acquaintance, anyway, there were very few people saying, why is Danny Rose not starting games? Because, yeah, he wasn't playing well enough and he didn't deserve to start no. games. I, you think, know, well, I think Jose was very f- straight with him, wasn't he? Saying no yeah. question about it. Anyway, news of a world record. A track and field coach broke his own world record for running a mile <clears> backwards <throat> in... Uh, he broke the record by 24 seconds, wow, 5 minutes and 30. Aaron Yoda hmm. broken the world backward record, has Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> he has. I thought you might yeah, have gone yeah, down that, that route. Sort yeah. of idea, yeah. yeah. Um, and Cadbury's have brought out a special uh, chocolate bar, <clears throat> created 50,000 uh, Champions chocolate bars made with dairy milk to mark a new sponsorship deal with Liverpool FC. So I can't see them being a big seller in Manchester. Still, you know. You know. <laughs> Do you think they'll boycott it? I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll supply them. I've there. got something oh. for the listeners again today, mm. but we'll have to We'll have to tread carefully around it um, mm, yeah. because it involves a little story, apparently, that um, was told on a snooker podcast. Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, um, he was banned, apparently, from Pontins at the age of 10. And he thinks that helped turn him into one of the best players in the world because it was then his dad oh. um, channeled him into playing snooker. But uh, he was an unruly youth, apparently, Ronnie. It um, takes a bit of doing being banned by Pontins, age 10. Yeah. What did he do? <laughs> he was barred from the holiday camp for endangering swimmers when diving off a top board, throwing eggs and smashing a beer glass on the ground. Really? So, um, yeah, behaviour, I'm sure he looked back on, not great sense of pride, but still. Mm. Um, he, his dad then said, no, I've got to get you channelled into something, son. Got him playing more snooker, and the rest is history. So we wondered if you've been banned from anything. Mm. I mean, we don't, well, you know, don't come and say, oh, yeah, I got banned, you know. It's some appalling story, because that's not going to make it, but mm. maybe it's, you feel it was very unfair that you got, you got I banned. I got thrown out of summer school. When I was about fifteen, did you expelled. really? Yeah, it was nothing to do summer with school. Well, it was like a, yeah, that's what it was. It was basically, the summer holidays we get it was like a cross between a, a holiday camp and a school, and your parents sent you there, and yeah. uh, and it was <laughs> nothing to do with me at all. I mean, I right. got, I got. Uh, oh no, no, no it wasn't. I was a real innocent <clears throat> party, but I was as part of the party that right. Committed, the, the, it was a bit of bullying, but it really wasn't oh, me. Andy, no, but it wasn't me. I thought, I felt so. <laughs> you, you could not go, you could got, not go back now to summer school. You're banned from that particular one, are you? I am, yeah. Okay, apparently, we ruined Anthony Kreppel's holiday. <laughs> Nothing to do with me at all, <laughs> <laughs> which is the title of Andy's new book. You ruined Anthony Kreppel's holiday. If you're but, listening, Anthony, I'm sorry, it wasn't me. It wasn't Andy. It wasn't Andy. It was, uh, who, who, do you want to name no, names? No, I don't want to name, no, that'd be wrong. Okay. 
I don't know, it'd be right. Why should you take the rap for the other two? All these years, Anthony Kreppel said, he, said, he listens to you, it's probably him who complained last week that you didn't say hello to everybody. Probably was. It's probably, he probably says, oh, yeah. Oh, he comes across like a nice bloke on the radio. He? Actually, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But, oh, he, he comes across like a... But I remember yeah. when he... Oh, oh that yeah. summer camp, he made my life a misery. He ruined my holiday, I believe the phrase is. I know. It's so amazing. if you've been banned for something, maybe for, you were wronged. Uh, maybe tell us the circumstances in which uh, you were banned. I, I can't go back to Bury St Edmunds, but I can't possibly tell that story yeah. at bloke, this time of bloke, day, or even possibly in the sports bar. Well, no, and that's not my fault. I'd like to point out the bloke that expelled us. And I can go back to Bury St Edmunds. <laughs> I'm exaggerating yeah, slightly, yeah, but I, I fear going back there just in case. Yeah, the bloke who expelled us was a London cabbie. Oh yeah, and so he took us to the station, mm. but he turned a meter on. I never <laughs> forgot that. <laughs> what a cheek! <laughs> Well, that's, that's what you deserve, then. <laughs> I suppose so. You deserve that for your appalling behaviour. <laughs> it's harsh, really. Yeah. And uh, I see we've got an ad for tonight's game, uh, which we're running here on Talk Yeah, we've got the match for we've you. We've got the match, yeah. It says, Danes get a pasting, question mark, I think. Not really. Surely it's a, it's a pastrying, I suppose, which doesn't really work, does it? But never mind. Danish pasting. Yeah, we might have to workshop that. I'd have to go and have a word with Pete down on the 14th floor. It's not quite working, is it? Not really. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. I came up with a Mike Parry-like theory you earlier did. on. You did? Yeah, it was good. Well, because obviously the more and more charging points mm. are, the more and more people will buy electric vehicles, as, as Alejandro was just saying there. So on that basis, OK, as Mr. Parry would say. <laughs> Manchester United, OK. Uh, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea should all get together. I'll, I'll switch out Mike for a second. And put in more <laughs> charging points. Which, OK, I can't stop myself. Which means less people will buy petrol. Which means less people... Uh, there'll be less money for Manchester City. And indeed PSG. <laughs> so if you really want to compete, all I'm saying is just put in more electrical charging points. All the other clubs in the Premier League have a bit of a whip round. Do that. Cities, I yeah, mean, I know. It makes a lot of sense. Oil-based products are available apart from that, <laughs> uh, which they can still make money out of. But look, it's a thought, isn't it? It's yeah, a start. It's a, well, it's, it's a, a good start. thought. I don't yeah. want to stymie Manchester City. I no. know City fans out there are still waiting for the oil to run out. <laughs> Many of the old-school ones are still waiting for something to go terribly wrong. <laughs> but there's no signs of that at the moment, of course. No. Um, um, I've got one for you. Yeah, go on, Ed. And, uh, you know, whenever they do these reconstructions of medieval figures or a Stone Age man... Oh, yeah. You know, they, they've done quite a few. Who does it always look like? Uh, Derek Hales. Wayne Rooney. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Depends which era you're talking about. It doesn't about. matter what era it is. What? Who's that? Who is that That is there? a medieval monk, Abbot John of Wheat Hampstead. Not John Abbot. No, he's <laughs> Abbot John. He was a Benedictine monk. Oh, right. His skeleton was... Alan would have liked him. He probably would be producing <laughs> his own bucky. They I discovered his skeleton during excavations at St Albans Cathedral yeah. in 2017. So they sort of basically... They've done a computer yeah. a computer version. And he does. He, he's got a look of Fungus the Bogeyman and Wayne Rooney in the fly machine, isn't he? It's definitely Wayne Rooney. It's, oh, he's showing the cameras now. He's, he's showing camera too. That's right. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, yeah. It's always... I've noticed Sorry, that. Derek. I had a, a just single that Derek Howells. It depends what sort of area you're talking about. <laughs> Only because he had a fairly straggly beard. <laughs> so there we are. I was quite, into it. Did you see one of the uh, a guy, a player called Steeper Parika? 
Um, yes, and he was at uh, Chelsea for about well, six that's years. That's right. Uh, he's left Udinese to go to Watford. That's quite an unusual route, isn't it? Oh, yes. You don't see many Why players. So? You don't, don't they have? I think they have an escalator <laughs> between Udinese and Watford <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, a tunnel. It probably is like a, a monk's hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that kind of thing, which is, yeah. Anyway, we did ask you earlier on. We did, uh, that's that what doesn't look like Wayne Rooney. That's, no, that's what they're called. We did, we did ask you, yeah, uh, yeah uh, page seven, fig three. The monk's hole. <laughs> yeah. We did. We did ask you earlier on, didn't we, Andy? Uh, the talk with the listeners. Have they ever been banned from anything? Ronnie yeah. O'Sullivan mm. admits been being banned for uh, Pontings when he was a kid, but if he hadn't been banned from Pontings. He probably wouldn't have been the great snooker player mm. he is today, because he, you know, sort of childish, silly behaviour. You know, what, what did he get up to? He said, didn't he? Diving off the top board, top bombing, throwing eggs, smashing a beer glass. That was enough to get him kicked out of Pontings. You've been telling us about what you were banned from. So again, nothing too serious, for goodness sake. Um, Revin Redding says, I got banned from uh, Laser Quest. When the manager told me to stop running around, I shot him with a laser. Obviously, it didn't hurt him, but it did make him very angry. <laughs> I got banned from every HMV in the UK, says Ian, for swapping price stickers on Only Fools and Horses yeah. videos when I was 14. Well, that is the, the folly of I got youth, banned from it? Regent's Park as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blimey, we got quite a list. Yeah. What did you get banned from Regent's again, Park for, Andy? Again, nothing to do with well, me. It's never your Four, it isn't wasn't, it? In fact, it was the same fellow that, that got thrown out of the. Uh, why, the is, why did you keep such bad company? I have no idea. <clears throat> he was okay. And uh, I was rowing yeah. in Regent's Park with this fellow. Oh, yeah. And he had an air gun and he started shooting at the, the ducks. God, he's a wrong one. <laughs> What's he doing now? I know, I'm probably guessing he's probably a multi millionaire. Absolutely multi millionaire. Yeah, he's one exactly. of the most successful. Don't tell the kids breakers. that. Don't tell the kids that. Member of the Ferrari club. He's, he's really done extremely well. Yeah, so that's the way to get on. <laughs> Take your air gun down. No, don't. Really don't, don't do that. Uh, and don't. What's, what's his name? Uh, Kreppel, no, no. what was his name? The oh, Anthony Kreppel. Anthony yeah. Kreppel, you've got to ruin Anthony Kreppel's <laughs> holiday and you'll be a multi-millionaire. <laughs> I got banned from my local Chinese six years ago, says Abs in Glasgow, for complaining about the portion size. Now I have to send my half to collect <laughs> because it's the best one around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cutting off your nose to spite your face there, Abs, albeit small portions. And uh, he called Abs? <laughs> I d- I've got, well, if he eats that much Chinese, maybe, <laughs> yes. it's, maybe it's ironic. Yeah, maybe he's still searching oh, yeah, for him. Be, that's true. I was banned from Meadow Hall back in the 90s whilst at university in Sheffield. Myself and three mates uh, played a, paid a trip to the Meadow Hall shopping centre. For no good reason, we decided to run up and down the escalators, which we found highly amusing at the time. However, some burly security guards met us at the top, marched us out and told us not to come back. Two police motorcyclists escorted us out of the car park. <laughs> I've braces. never been back. Oh, no. A bit harsh, I thought, says Very, Ben in well, Cheshire. I agree, it's well, He's in harsh. Cheshire, he's had to move away. He doesn't need to go shopping in Sheffield. <laughs> Anymore. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Now that is Red Rum Club. Uh, Great. Ballerina, one of their uh, fine songs. And we were alerted to them, as we said, Marcus Armitage, uh, former jockey, of course, writing uh, in his column in The Telegraph about the band. And I thought, I saw that, I thought, blimey, I wonder what their racing connections are. Oh, it's got to be big, isn't it? So I read the piece Mm. and discover they're not interested in racing. It's it's a, um, a reference to uh, The Shining, the film The Shining, and it, it was written uh, on the mirror, wasn't it? In the mm. uh, is that how Red Rum got his name? In the first I don't, place? Well, I don't know. We, 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 I'm not sure about the timeline on that. I've not checked <laughs> okay, it out. I'm fine. not going to give a sure that works. I think maybe the horse predates. I could be wrong, but anyway, what came out of it was that the band's manager is George Wilson, who is the exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist at Liverpool John Moores University. Oh, right. So he is interested in racing because he was a jockey. Yeah. It's a it's a weird set of circumstances. Good afternoon, George. Good afternoon, guys. You okay? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. It is strange, isn't it, that you, you end up managing a band called Red Rum Club when they had no interest in, in racing at all. Yeah, it's freaky, actually, because uh, when I first saw the name, the first thing I thought was the, the horse. So I thought, oh, I'll watch this video, uh, which I uh, was sent. And uh, when I saw it, and I got in contact there. They revealed what they told, obviously, Marcus, that, you know, it was from The Shining, mm. which was a bit disappointing, really. But uh, then I said, oh, it's funny, because I used to work in racing, and I actually worked with Red Rum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you used to work with Ginger McCain, did you? Back in I the did, day. yeah, yeah. So when, when, in 1980, when I left school, uh, I, mm. one of my first jobs was working up in Southport at uh, Ginger's wow. car sales room stables at the back, just by the beach, and... Uh, Many a time I've been uh, shouted at by Ginger getting run away with along the beach, you know. <laughs> did, did your path ever cross with her old mate Lee yeah. Mack? Because Lee often said he used to wipe uh, Red Rum's bum. That was well, one of his jobs. I, I'm not sure. Uh, he, he must have been there, I think, after me. But uh, I was only there a short while. Uh, but I have seen that story. It's quite quite well known about Lee Mack and the yeah. Red Rum connect, connection yet. So, uh, yeah, so we had our own connection. And then sort of to square the circle, uh, the, the guys end up... Uh, 
recording a video and shooting, doing a film shoot on the beach where the horse used to be trained. So <laughs> it was uh, it was a bit freaky, really. Yeah, <laughs> the horse predates the film, I think, Andy. I was just oh, and, absolutely. Yes, yeah, that's right. Because uh, murder backwards and all that, and yeah, it's, that's yeah. right. It's written. That's what it is. He's the, it? He's, he chants it, doesn't he, in his mum's bedroom? That's where it comes from. Then he writes it on the door. Um, so interestingly, though, I mean, how are the band doing, and uh, what's the kind of story of the band before we talk a bit more racing? Well, the band, uh, as I said, started in 2016. Uh, they're all mates from school, uh, and they all live in the area of Crosby, which is uh, North Liverpool, mm. famous for the Iron Men, like you see on the beach where we get the thousands yeah. of tourists a year. And I live just up the road from there uh, as well. And uh, I started managing mm. them and, and co-songwriting with them to start with. Uh, and then I ended up becoming the full-time manager. And the idea was to just be very DIY, get out there, play everywhere and anywhere, you know, go to Aberdeen or go to Cornwall and play to two people in a back garden. And we'll just do this organically and build it. And strangely enough, it, it worked. Wow. Because people just really sort of bought into... I think it's the fusion of this sort of strange Scouse, Americana, Mexicana thing they've got going on. <laughs> and uh, we had a trumpet as well, and not many bands have a trumpet. So... Uh, and we just worked it and built it, and then I got offered a record deal for them, and we signed that in 2018. We had the album out, and we started selling shows out up and down the land, uh, and we got some TV. We got on Glastonbury, and it just shows, you know, hard, there's no there's no substitute for hard work, guys, you know? No, and then COVID happened, of course, yeah. which has put the brakes oh. on everything for people in the music industry, isn't it, really? Yeah, we've had to get very inventive, like everybody in the in the music industry and entertainment industry. So the guys have carried on, you know, with a lot of interaction with the fan base, which is which is huge on socials. So rather than sort of sulking, we thought we should sort of done the best we can, and uh, we've really built our social following over the time and and interacted with fans. And uh, the second album, which comes out in October, called The Hollow of Humdrum. Uh, which is a great album. I mean, I would say that, but it is. <laughs> and and uh, you know, it's it's doing great. The pre-orders are great, and the ticket sales for the 2021 tour, you know, uh, let's hope it happens, are, are all going great. But you couldn't wish wish for working with six better guys than the guys in Red Room Club. They they are such really really hard working individuals. And outside of music, they do some wonderful stuff. You know, they work with kids with disabilities, uh, and that's their full-time job. So they are absolutely wonderful individuals, you know. Good stuff. And your full-time job, this is it's so different from this as well, isn't it? You working with jockeys and, and doing some amazing work with them because we realise, don't we, that uh, the life of a jockey is it can be pretty terrible, really. Well, when it comes to areas like weight loss, we've spoken to a lot of jockeys on this show, Kieran Fallon, AP and others, and I know you've worked with a lot of the top jockeys uh, to kind of prove to them they can control their weight and keep riding without putting themselves at risk, which they so often do, all the different techniques they have to, to make the weight. Well, it's a very uh, weight weight ma making in racing was very culturally driven by so the performer jockeys done it the way they done it for you know fifty or hundred years. So when I used to ride, I, I rode as a professional jump jockey in nineteen eighty five, uh, and then I got too heavy. Uh, I only rode for a short while, but on one occasion on my first ride at Subtle Racecourse, uh, I I had to ride a ten stone, and I remember four days before I was nine. Uh, sorry, I was ten stone ten. And I had to be about Ooh. nine stone twelve. So I dropped nearly a stone in four or five days Ooh. by just sweating and doing all the silly things you shouldn't do. In those days, guys, as well, you never got dope tested. And uh, a lot of jockeys could take things like diuretics 
uh, and even things worse than that, to be honest with you. Uh, so I dropped uh, about a stone in four or five days. Uh, I didn't eat for four days. I smoked like a trooper. Anything to just take my mind off food. And I'd done the weight, but I shouldn't have been anywhere near the racehorse. Never, you know, because I was I was useless. I was just a passenger. I finished sixth over fences. I don't know how I got round. I was it was dangerous, really. Mm. I think if I was, you know. Yeah, I mean, we saw a report of on what you do, and it's an amazing work, really. And the the idea of eating more often and sort of smaller amounts, smaller yeah. amounts, and not having to sweat and starve. You and know, they and they yeah. they're, they're living better, and they're actually, you, you know, you've had situations where you've got weight off of jockeys. You know. It's not just maintaining those weights in a decent way. You've said, you know, if you if you take these steps, you'll actually possibly get more rides because you'll 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 lose weight, and, and so it's 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 worked. Isn't it? I'm surprised not all the jockeys are doing it. I'm surprised it's not a compulsory thing because there are sadly still some out there sort of flipping, throwing up before races. There's still mm. some with bad habits, aren't there? That, that's exactly right. And the, the reason I got into academia was for that very reason. Uh, I was a PE teacher when I left racing, and then I done I worked in football at Tramier Rovers. Uh, as a fitness coach and then I've done my PhD which I wanted to do by looking at the effects of uh, weight loss on, on health both physical and mental and uh, I finished that in 2013 and I've been doing this research since 2009 and you know we have got a lot of jockeys buying into it guys and there's been and females as well but the issue seems to be mostly with the guys you know and uh I must have seen now over 400 jockeys and, and some from all over the world as well. We've had people from Ireland and America and France and everywhere coming to see us, you know. Good stuff. Well, look, keep up the good work um, with the jockeys and, and with the band and we'll, we'll look out for them. We just played Ballerino, the new single. Yeah. So uh, all the best. Good to talk to you, George. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, fellas. All the best. Bye-bye. There we are, George Wilson. No excuses, really, for jockeys. The help is there mm. um, to get out of that sort of cycle. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Andy making good point there with Wilson and Fraser. They have got the makings of a uh, decent dad's army side. Are there existing players that, that you know, folks, that we could add? There's one or two that are no longer playing the game. No longer with us. Share the name of the, yeah, and some sadly no longer with us that share the names of the dad's army mm. cast. But there are existing players that would could be added to uh, Fraser and Wilson then uh, feel free to share those with the class today and we'll we'll, we'll let Steve Bruce know. We've opened contacts, of mm. course, via the Steve Bruce murder mystery. We'll pass on all those players. We can get the full dad's army. <laughs> Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet J. At one point, Fraser will be saying, we're doomed, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> About March. But uh, then they'll get a few points and they'll be all right. Anyway, um, we all love those those uh, stories from the world of football and indeed sport generally that we really didn't know much about. And that's very true of this. It's a new book called Flight to Bogota, England's football rebel, Neil Franklin. Um, it's an amazing story. And John Leonard is the author of the new book. Good afternoon, John. Afternoon, Paul. Afternoon, Andy. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, awesome. what a fascinating story. I didn't know this story. I should have done, yeah. but I didn't. So, uh, I mean, really interesting. Just to kind of uh, give us a kind of brief overview, uh, John, to, uh, tell us what, what Neil did and why. Well, basically, Neil was, at the time, he was the first choice England centre half. And uh, he, he kept falling out with Stoke City, his club. He was a club captain. And on the quiet, along with uh, his mate, George uh, Mountford, another Stoke City player, they were contacted by a guy called Luis Robledo, who ran the Santa Fe Club in, in Bogotá, offering them a contract. And so instead of really uh, telling his club, and also in Franklin's case, telling the FA what was going on, they up sticks and flew to Bogotá. And it caused absolute ruptures at the time. It wasn't just 
uh, Franklin and Mountford. Three other uh, British players went. Uh, Flavel from Scotland, Bobby Flavel, uh, Hearts in Scotland, Charlie Mitten from Manchester United in England. He was also an England international, but wasn't selected for the 1950 World Cup. As Franklin was going to be, this, this tour happened just basically it coincided with uh, the World Cup in 1950. And amazingly, Franklin turned his back on, on, on his country and uh, flew out with Mountford and the other rebels. I mean, the background to this, of course, was that the players' pay was pretty poor, wasn't it? Their freedom of movement was non-existent. I mean, we saw what happened later on. But at this period, uh, they, were, they were basically serfs, weren't they? Yes, and that was the accusation that uh, Franklin made when he got to Bogota. He was extremely vocal. Uh, Mitten was to an extent, but not so much as Franklin. And as he was, he was a big star of the day. And so reporters were actually diverted from uh, going to Rio to Bogota to catch up with Franklin. And there he held, he held well, he, it was made basically the retain and transfer system that he really objected to, to being tied to a club. But at the time, as you say, it was £12 a week maximum wage. Now, other players at the time, I spoke to Ron Atkinson, who was one of the last players to play against Franklin in the, in, in the late 50s. And he said, well, that was basically a, a reasonable wage. But it was, as you mentioned, this accusation that served him that really stuck. And that was even brought up a year or two later when, quite remarkably, there was a government inquiry into the pay of uh, footballers, uh, their, their terms and conditions. And that stemmed really from this rebellion in Bogota. There'd been sort of minor rebellions before uh, Neil Franklin, you say in the book, John, but you, you kind of say this, this kind of started the conversation again, what Franklin did and may, ultimately did lead to Jimmy Hill and, and the £100 a week, etc. Yes, it did. And one of the ironies of that is that Mitten was involved in that because it, uh, George Easton, one of uh, Mitten's players, George, East, George Easton Jr., his dad actually acted as an agent for the Colombians uh, through all this, the former Blackpool uh, player and manager. And so so what uh, you know happened, I, I, nothing directly happened coming after it. The, the, white, the inquiry that I just referred to, that turned out to be nothing more than a whitewash. But steadily, the whole thing did break down. And even Rouse, who was uh, hugely opposed to them, he admitted later in his own autobiography that they led the way. They led the way in terms of players going abroad. And eyes were opened that actually abroad, not just in Colombia and South America, but particularly, more particularly in Italy, they were paying much more, much higher wages. Their terms and conditions of retainment were a lot better. And so football had to move. English football, Scottish football, they both had to move. As for, as for many players have gone abroad over the years, it wasn't quite as it, it was... Uh portrayed in the brochure and even the mm. journey to Bogota for him and his family was it seven flights I mean his wife was yes. pregnant and they had all sorts of concerns about the citizenship of the child were it born in Colombia it was I mean it really it didn't deliver what he hoped it would I think he they cottoned on quite quickly and uh, you know he knew it was all unraveling even when they got to New York there was no accommodation I mean that that was that was after the second leg of their journey uh, for the final leg, actually, the Columbians did send a doctor to his wife, so she flew with them from, uh, I think it was Jamaica, off the top of my head, but Jamaica, in, into Colombia. And, and, and so that uh, leg of the journey was solved. But yes, the, the uh, promises weren't met. And so when a couple of other players, Roy Paul, who later went on to Manchester City, captained them in the F56 FA Cup final, and uh, Headley of Everton, when they, when, when they went there, they said, look, 
we're, we're not getting what we were told. We we're not we're not getting the accommodation. We're not getting this. And, and sure enough, Franklin soon became uh, fed up. You know, his wife was pregnant. He wanted to be, her to return to England. So he put her on a flight to New York. He went with her. And then when he got to New York, he decided, no, he's not going back to Colombia. Mm. He came back to England to face uh, the wrath of club and country. Yeah, and yeah, because they, they carried the can a bit, didn't they, for England's dismal World Cup performance. You know, they went out and famously lost to America, of course, and in the 1950 World Cup. But he was a famous player, and he played with Stanley Matthews. It's quite odd that he was tempted, that Matthews couldn't talk him out of it, that nobody could talk him out of this. Well, Matthews, I don't think at the time, knew what they were up to. In fact, he'd left by then to Blackpool. Although it's quite interesting, actually, as a recalcitrant player in the dressing room, that's Stoke dressing room of the late 1940s. <clears throat> Matthews and Sue, Frank Sue, were, were great influences on him. Frank Sue was the club captain before the war. Both fell out quite spectacular with, with their manager, Bob McGrory, at Stoke City. Matthews walked out six weeks before the end of uh, a season when Stoke were chasing the league title with Franklin as captain. And one, one player who didn't know was actually the goalkeeper from that team, Dennis Herod. His father-in-law told me that he did plead with Franklin not to go. He told mm. him, look, this is just going to be a disaster. But Franklin took no notice. He thought he had the money and he decided he wanted to do, basically, he was a working class lad who wanted to do the best for his family. And, and he... And the World Cup and all that at the time wasn't taken seriously. Not as a, I know this is difficult to believe in the modern context, but it certainly wasn't. Certainly not uh, in, in, in Great Britain and Ireland. And so, you know, Franklin took up the offer, ignored what his mate had to say, and uh, went to Colombia. As, as did George Mountford, and as I say, as did the others. Mm. Well, you can read what happened to uh, Neil Franklin when he got back. But suffice to say, he wasn't welcome uh, back with open arms. <laughs> but it's a fascinating story, fun. and say one we didn't know. So we wish you well with the book, John. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Andy. Flight to Bogota. It's called England Football Rebel, uh, Rebel Neil Franklin by John Lennon, published by Pitch. And he was Very interesting a, story. I mean, look I at the England did. team he played in. You know, it was uh, Jimmy Dickinson, uh, Tom Finney, Jackie Milburn, Billy Wright, Mortensen, Shackleton. You know, he was a real mainstay. A bit like Harry Maguire just mm. deciding to up. So I don't think he's going to be going to brawl for a while. But <laughs> just, a, we're just, going to pick somebody else. Just, well, you know, I'm trying to think of an established England centre half. Uh, just deciding to go in Colombia. Well, yeah. yeah well, yeah. certainly not Greece. Maybe Colombia is more likely. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. From TalkSport. Looks been Jacobs here on TalkSport. Uh, well, Wilson and Fraser have uh, have gone to Newcastle and Andy thought a bit of a dad's army theme uh, there. So let's try and get some more players. Ben Godfrey, of course. Uh, one of the listeners sent that one in. Malcolm suggests Carl Walker for Newcastle. Perfect. Would be great, wouldn't it? Phil Jones, says Maurizio. <laughs> Um, who else we need to get in there? We need a few others, don't we? we I mean, the, the producer suggested Glenn Hodges on the coaching staff. <laughs> if Steve's interested, so yeah, yeah we we just need yeah, to works, we need to build it? that uh, team ideally of uh, <laughs> of Dad's Army <laughs> yeah. characters. So yeah. uh, Steve can don't panic, don't panic. He'll be saying to uh, and what, the team, what tune would they run out to? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very good, that's a very good point. Yeah, that's right. Right, Andy Smart has uh, texted us because yeah, we talked about us. being banned, didn't yeah. we? Because this was uh, off the back of uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan admitting that well, that was a turning point point in his life. He was banned from uh, Pontins Holiday Camp at the age of ten, and it turned him into the best player in the world because it then got him playing more snooker apparently 
But uh, he was barred from the holiday camp for endangering swimmers when diving off the top board, throwing eggs, amongst other things. So what have you been banned for within reason? Yeah, it turns out a lot of us, including myself, have been banned from several things. Yeah. Uh, Andy Smart says, in 1980, I was banned from the Pierhead pub in Birkenhead for playing Laurie Anderson's Oh Superman three times in a row on the jukebox. It's eight minutes and 21 seconds long. So he says, understandable looking back. We used to pop into a horrible pub for a pre-night out pint and uh, yeah. the, the governor was really surly and the clientele yeah, were not yeah, particularly friendly. So we would often put on Joe Dolce's shut up your face <laughs> ten times just as we left the pub. So using music as a weapon like that, if you've got any tales, we'll, we'll take those from you. Because we're all for that. Talksport.com. And apparently yeah. someone who stayed in there said, did you lot do that the other night? Because there were some very drunk bloke with no teeth at the bar. It was that kind of pub. <laughs> right, you know. so yeah, and he sang it the first one. <laughs> Hey, he joined in through it by the fourth time. He wanted a punch up. So, uh, talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH and J. Other things you were banned uh, from. Dan in Crew says, I was allowed to play in the men's five aside tournament at Haven Campsite, North Wales. I was banned halfway through the tournament for persistently nutmegging the adults. Most of them saw the funny side. However, three people did not like it and demanded I shouldn't play because of my age. They couldn't get near me, he said. Oh, Sore yeah. losers. Oh, oh you yeah, big yeah. head, Dan. <laughs> That's good. Uh, now, there's a headline today, and it makes you think. It makes you think. It says, Beckham's both got COVID partying in LA. Oh, yeah. David and Victoria Beckham secretly battled coronavirus after catching it schmoozing in the States. You think, oh, no, not more people breaking lockdown and everything. Except when you read the article, uh, and they got it on March the 1st. Oh. About three weeks before anybody locked out. Yeah, nobody was really <laughs> talking about much. it. <laughs> brilliant, uh, back, isn't it? Briefly back to being banned. I came up, this is from Michael, I came up with the ingenious idea, idea of selling individual Tic Tacs at my after-school club many years ago for 20p <laughs> each. Oh, that's profiteering. Oh, that's a, Lord Sugar would be proud of you, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would. 20p for a Tic How yeah. desperate are you for a mm. fresh breath in a Newcastle <laughs> school? Yeah. That, for 20 that, pence. That you feel that uh, I'll, I'll mm. happily spend 20 quid on 20p on the black market for yeah, a tic it's, it's the having the sugar in class isn't it that's what it's all about well one of the other kids reported me for not giving change it gets worse doesn't oh, it dear. I've only got a quid on me I'll give it to you later four days and around 18 pound profit later I was banned for life <laughs> surely, banned for being a genius surely says for a Michael. quid why didn't you offer him five for a quid <laughs> well I think oh, six for a quid that's be yeah, an incentive of, yeah, true. the six for a quid system yeah. now uh, <laughs> it's true actually Dave Kidd made a very interesting point a few people have said this about the woman the line judge who in the uh, what's it called in the Djokovic incident did go down a bit you know she did sort of milk it a bit let's be honest I think she's been signed by where there's a blame there's a claim that's what you're saying no no that's what a lot of people are saying well never mind them she's got a bruised throat I can tell she's had a load of she's had a lot of really horrible social media pushback oh yeah no people in Serbian trolls have have attacked her good band (laughs) <laughs> they have. They've been on her case. Well, it's not. It can't be nice for her. She first she gets no. a ball whacked in her throat, then she gets yes, trolled. I know, but you know, there were, you, you, it's it, hard to look. He didn't hit the ball that it was, hard. It, well, it was a touch of the. Oh, Vic, I've fallen, wasn't it? Was it touch yeah. of the Bob Not Morton that I'm was... going to defend Djokovic, because honestly, no. he's got some Ike-like beliefs, really. So yeah. <laughs> when you read them, they're absolutely bonkers. Just going back to uh, All or Nothing, the Tottenham documentary, a couple of uh, other things that I noticed from that we haven't got around to talking about. Spare thought for Jeff Scott, the kind of mm. club's uh, top physio, head of medicine, yes. who all he ever does is sidle <laughs> up to Jose, give him false hope, not through yeah. any of he says, it, it say things like, you know, all being well, just this probably 
bruising would be a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then the next time he goes to him and he says, well, he says he's going to be out for three months. Mm. Every, every time it was that, wasn't it? Well, all being well, he should be fine to play Saturday. Well, how did it go? Well, no, he can't. He actually can't play for three. It was three months every no, no. time. It was difficult. Football's you know, equivalent to one seventy-five. I, I do think that next time you're thinking of writing a, a letter to a newspaper and saying, "Well, footballers, why can't they play three times a week? They get paid a fortune." You should listen to Jose Mourinho's speech, sort of to the press about playing forty-eight hours after the Boxing Day game, yeah. and then on to Southampton on New Year's Day, and just look at Harry Kane. Just look at what happened to him. Which I don't think would ever have happened an injury like that yeah. if he wasn't in that sort of red zone, you know. Yeah. I mean, you don't know that, but it can't have helped him, can it? Buying into your theory, they need to sign. They could sign somebody uh, a nasty piece of work mm. with the, in the best possible way, of course, on the field. Mm. Uh, in Diego Costa, who, who plays like that, who plays a bit evil. Mm. But uh, Jose, when he's talking about City, saying that they'll know, they'll know which of our players are on yellow cards. <laughs> oh, don't yeah. you worry about that. So these are their players on yellow cards, and bear mm. that in mind. Effectively, oh, yeah. when well, they come in and tackle you, know, Pep is you know he's definitely no stranger to the, not say the, the dark, dark arts, arts but well, you know, slightly off colour arts. Off, you know, they do like a tactical foul. Oh, well, not according to him. Yeah. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, sure. How dare you? <laughs> uh, I once got banned from a driving test centre, says Steve. The examiner walloped mm-hmm. his foot on the emergency brake for a silly reason. So it was an auto fail. I disagreed mm, with his yeah. actions, so I got out of the car and let him sit there on the main road as I walked back. But I did pass the second time, well, he says. So just some of the things but you've been banned from. You know what I said to you about games you can lose? There's ways of losing that you, you feel all right about it. And I thought that Liverpool game was very interesting because they came off the field spurs and they gave a... First half, they weren't... Too, particularly good but the second half they played really well mm. and they could have got a point out of the game they yeah they Sonny put the one over the bar yeah there were two yeah. good chances and they came off the field feeling you know they could take something from the game so yeah. it is interesting not all defeats are the same some are no. just morally demoralising yes. and others you can take something from it it's a fact I think if you're a football fan it doesn't matter if you're a Spurs fan or not You, it's fascinating to watch that stuff it really is interesting I think absolutely the oldest serving, serving, not serving. The surviving. oldest serving, the oldest surviving FA Cup. Yeah, we might talk about yeah. this later in the it's week. Set to go for nine hundred grand, and we producer and I were speaking this morning. We, what would you do with it? It's a lot of money, really, isn't it? I mean, it's a sort of. You what know, would we, you do with it? I want to get an open top bus and parade it around the streets in early 1900s wear, I would I mean, imagine. who who would buy that for that sort of money? I suppose somebody who loves memorabilia, but, I mean, even yeah. so, it seems a lot of money for, you know, a trophy. OK, well, look, we'll put it to the good people at Bonhams <laughs> later well, in the yeah, week. No, about, yeah, just shy of a million quid for an old FA then, Cup. Yeah. You know, I was talking to you about programmes yesterday and saying there was an, a programme going up for grabs yeah. for 2,200 quid. Yeah. But it's nowhere near the most expensive programme. The most expensive programme is something like £35,000 for the 1882 Cup Final between Blackburn Rovers and Eton. The, the subject of that brilliant film on Netflix, The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Game. That's yeah. right. Was it the English Game? The English Game, that's English right. Game, yeah. uh, Andy, I was telling you this morning that Park Run is set to return, of course, very popular in the UK, where people yeah, come together me, and yeah. do a 5K every <laughs> yeah. Saturday morning. Andy, doesn't, you don't want them back, do you? I don't. I'm look. I think running is a fantastic thing, but I do think that it has been. But it's still a problem in our area where we are. People are still yeah. And there is this thing that you know you, they leave a a trail runners. Yeah. So if you if a runner is say asymptomatic but has the virus, you know if you're in that trail, it's a bit of a problem. Yeah. So 
I just I found it. I was reading the big feature in today's Telegraph Sport about Park Run and the return of Park mm. Run. And the trouble is, as I was reading it, it was only one way I could read it. Uh, so I found myself going, "There's been a strong desire to manage its resumption <laughs> in the UK with the blessing of its community of participants." Park oh, run. run, you can't help yourself. <laughs> with many leisure centres and swimming pools unable to open due to the economic impact of COVID nineteen, there's a concern of a crisis of inactivity. Park oh, run. run. You get the idea. <laughs> you get the that. idea there. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. uh, Clive, uh, Clive tells he took a bit of a hammering, mm. I thought, for his uh, commentary on Sunday during Soccer Aid, yeah. uh, making jibes about uh, Tom Davis and Chunks. Yeah. Who are, are you know? Let's be honest, they're big. You lads. make it sound like a vent act. <laughs> Tom Davis and Chunks. I do think it's a bit because he was, you know, the, he was with a co-commentator, the guy from Radio One. Yeah, and they were both doing it, so it's, it's sort of. I thought it was a bit unfair just to sort of single out Clive. I thought, you know, they both were making comments about them, and that wasn't anything too bad. They were just making the point that they they are quite big. I mean, Tom Davis only had ten minutes on the pitch. He, you know, he tried his best, but he, you know, he was. <laughs> Damn him with faint praise. Well, he's not, he's not, look, he's a wonder. I love him as a comedian. I love King Gary and, and Murder and Successful, but you wouldn't say he's the best footballer you've ever seen. Well, he, he wouldn't say he was the best footballer you've ever seen. I can't believe that seen. they were that upset about it, but apparently they were really, really upset. Oh, okay. So, there you go. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. National <laughs> League Focus. Look at that. Oh, Andy, that's lovely. That's it. Speaking into a cup, it's that simple. You should be doing voiceovers. Yes, National League Focus. The first and quite possibly last, if Andy's got anything to do with it <laughs> in an incredibly occasional series <laughs> where we focus uh, as the name suggests on the National League and non-league maybe uh, in general because uh, Fletcher just brought us the news and sport uh, is a is a Woking fan uh, producer uh, John Callaghan one half of the National League uh, podcast the National Obsession is a Torquay fan and they have oh they have classic bants in the office <laughs> many of us can't really join in on some of it quite yeah. sweary and unpleasant at times bit actually, of a seven they, point gap between you both play. though last year yes so uh, gentlemen good afternoon good afternoon, good afternoon one and all see it. The fixtures are out. Um, I mean, we all look at the same things, don't we? Boxing Day, etc. I mean, what, what are the fixtures, Fletch, that excite you first off you've had a look at? I'm really excited about Aldershot, our local rivals on their Boxing Day in the 2nd of January. So we go to the wreck yeah, on Boxing Day and on the 2nd, assuming away fans are allowed in by that point, of course, and then uh, back to Fortress Kingfield on the 2nd of January for what is usually a rare defeat. Uh, we normally do really, really well and then Aldershot come to town, beat us and their away fans break our fences. So I'm looking forward to that and a couple of pints of cardinal gold as well so what about you john what was the first name that you look for as a Torquay fan well we've got our usual uh yeovil is our uh boxing day new year's double header um but there's quite there's quite a few um sort of smaller teams in the league this year as well which i'm looking forward to kings lynn yeah oh, yeah uh, that would be quite good weymouth woking uh, you know, a few of the small teams around in the league. Yeah. It would be nice to, uh, nice to welcome game them. game last year where you and Charlie Baker went? You were invited into the boardroom? Uh, we went to... Uh, Tim Vine uh, oh, invited yeah, us to Sutton, Sutton United. Yeah. And we, we, uh, we went behind the curtain uh, at Sutton United, uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> what, we even got shown what was... Uh, is that the ballroom then, a curtain? <laughs> <laughs> is, was, that, is that got, all that separates the ballroom from the pitch, a curtain? We got shown the trophy room as well. Oh, which, what euphemistically the trophy room, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, there are um, you know lots of sort of exciting fixtures to look at, but it is tinged with, I mean, and 
you know, fans of EFL clubs and, and Premier League clubs, I'm sure, feeling the same. Yeah. You're basically looking at a list of games that you can't go to yeah. uh, at the moment. Can you follow the games, though? I mean, is there some sort of way of follow- seeing them? Yet? I follow... Clubs are looking at it. Yeah, clubs are looking at it. And I think, obviously, if you're an ex-football league club, you'll have much better media and tech access than some of the smaller clubs. But certainly, if, if you're not able to get in as an away fan, one would imagine there will be provisions. But I can't imagine the National League and North and South will be operating and playing games behind closed doors. Financially, that just is impossible yeah. I can't imagine that. You what's know, the capacity first at Woking it's 6,000 so um, you technically could get in 600 at yeah. least yeah so. well I, I think oh. we could probably get in 2,000 that's a third and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, there's been talk that away uh, supporters potentially could be um, sort of locked out for the first few games John's been to Woking several times he's seen his team win and indeed be thrashed by us um, and, <laughs> and we're very lucky in the sense that um, most recently I think you beat us on our own turf so I'll mm. keep my mouth shut but um, when we won the league wasn't it? it was yeah. yes yeah. very much yeah. uh, on so our own like, you know, I have to say, talking about we've we've talked before about accidental rivalries. You know, like Brighton Palace many years ago. No one really understands Mm. rivalry. Woking and Torquay have become weird rivals recently because we got relegated together, then we got promoted together, and last season as well. There's been a nice bubbling sort of cauldron of hatred developing between us, (laughs) and it's it's quite nice. Yeah, it's quite nice. Sounds like a thrash metal band. Probably is, isn't it? It's a one-way rivalry. You don't really care. We've got some proper rivals. And what about Playmore, John, and getting people in there? Uh, Well, again, you know, similar to similar to Woking. I think ours is just over six thousand. So you'd have thought, yeah, you you know, you could comfortably get in, you know, say a third of that or something, and and socially distance. But I I think that DCMS last said they're still hoping to get fans in um, by the by the start date, by the beginning of October. I think um, the most sensible. Yeah, because you I don't think, start till beginning of October. Yeah, third, yeah, third of October. I the think first most likely it'll probably just be home fans only, probably, yeah. or they'd have not said. You got any sure. new players and get excited about? We signed Matt Jarvis last season, formerly of, of Wolves in England. Yeah, um, he, he has yeah. re-signed for this season. Um, we, we've had a clutch of new players um, come in as well, kept hold of some of our decent numbers. I like to think Matt Jarvis has got one or two other ex-England internationals who might want to join him <laughs> at one point. Um, we remain to be seen what happens with uh, Harry Arter as well, because he used to play for Woking many moons ago, so there could be a sell-on clause, uh, depending on oh, right. uh, as when he makes a move, and uh, the club aren't commenting on that. I thought you were hoping he'd come back. I thought, I think, <laughs> I well, think he may probably play out a higher level. <laughs> well, his, brother, Harry. his brother-in-law, Scott Parker, you know, the Fulham boss, may want to do as the odd, the odd little favour down the way, but yeah. it's really, really exciting. And um, we recently had a ground redevelopment thing that fell through. So uh, an exciting time was obviously put, completely put to bed by COVID. But I'm optimistic about this season. John has okay. his bottom four, but I see no reason. <laughs> I've, got, I've got working going down, yeah. But that's rubbish, <laughs> absolute rubbish. <laughs> who, who, who to be honest, we've... Yeah, sorry, John. I was going to no carry on. In terms of signings, we've signed Dean Moxie from oh, yeah. for Crystal Palace and Bolton yeah. Wanderers. He's coming at left back to replace the player that uh, myself and Charlie Baker of of this parish and, and from the National Assessment Podcast, the player we sponsor. Um, he's, <laughs> he's actually he's left cropped. the club, so you, you know he's cropped. He, he's, uh, oh, no. he's he's com- you know he's injured. So I'm just going to see if that's going to see if that is that expensive. <laughs> How expensive is it to sponsor? See if that check's been cashed. I'm going to see if the check's cleared yet, and if we can transfer the sponsorship. Sorry, Liam. You should have paid by credit card. Schoolboy error. Schoolboy error. Bloke. As soon as he's crocked, they, they, yeah, that's what they go on and play for England one day, and you, you, yeah, you'll miss out. The um, what was going to say, John? Uh, it will come back to me. I'm quite interested in the kit sales. Last time I looked up Torquay, they had a particularly nice. Was it the centenary kit? The black. 
and gold one was absolutely incredible. Yeah, we did announce the centenary kit. We've not actually announced our kit for this season yet, which <laughs> really? less than less than a month to go. Doesn't sound very proper. No, yeah. <laughs> not really. <laughs> what about what's the new Woking kit like? Well, the, the new Woking kit's actually very excited this uh, season. We had a hashtag Get Behind the Shirt campaign um, mm. earlier in the summer, so you you paid a bit of money, obviously, because of COVID and the pressure it's putting on clubs like the Mighty Woking. You could pay to have your name put on the shirt. Wow! So it's, a load of fans got behind it. So not on the back, uh, front and back. <laughs> Oh, okay, um, but yeah, not so like 10 no, Fletcher. No, no, Well, no, but, but the, the, the small size oh, 8 aerial you. print is, is, is on you. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the name Ben Fletcher is just above the badge and just below where the numbers oh, will be that? when the players play. That's, that's, that's nice quite exciting. Idea. Bit gimmicky, yeah, really would you well say, John, for a club of talky <laughs> stature? A bit bit low rent, yeah, is that what you're saying? I think a little bit low rent. We've finished above the last season. You know, it is a great league, you know, to be serious for a minute. It's an exciting league, anything... Anything can happen. Wrexham and uh, Chesterfield nearly went down last yeah. season. Even yeah. Gary Johnson today said, who'd have thought AFC final would, would have been relegated? I'm sure Andy can't believe it. Well, no, no, no. Andy, honestly, Andy, can't Andy believe he phoned AFC me up about went, three o'clock yeah. one morning and, and just after it happened, he couldn't believe yeah. it. I think John, like me, is very excited that Barrow are no longer in the league because obviously for Torquay, that's one hell of a journey and for Woking too. You know, six yeah. and a half, it's a long way up that M6. Yeah, so good, with all due respect, yeah. good riddance. Yeah. Who, who do... Straight back, straight back good down. Apart, apart from uh, Woking and... And Torquay. Who are the other front runners? Who are the good sides we should look out for in the National League? Well, say you, because you think you'll be up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's always difficult to say. Um, you were going very you, well you at one point, I remember, last season. We were, yeah, yeah, we were flying up until yeah, yeah. sort of November and then we and we forgot how to, how to sort of play football, yeah. really. But um, Notts County will probably be up there. Yeah, they got I to the, the playoff final and, and lost to Harrogate. But, you know, sort of Wrexham have, have, have done that for about 10 years now. They keep getting, you know, sort of up there and then, and then falling away. So, Maybe wow. they'll do that Yeovil possibly again, but you know those are the sort of obvious choices. But yeah. there's always a mm. you know a Sully Hole Moors or someone who, who yeah. or Harrogate as it was this year. Who, you sort of come through and surprise everyone. There's always a real surprise package and it seems almost a bit lazy to just point to the ex-football league sides but the fact is they've got the resource. They're the ones mm. that can rotate their players. They can bring in pros. They train professionally, you know, five yeah. days a week unlike us who are twice a week being semi-pro. Boreham Wood, you know, they got into the playoffs last season. They, there's a lot of money behind that club. They do very well in, with loan players from the nearby North London Premier League clubs but it really is impossible to predict. I mean, yeah. we had it not, if we hadn't been locked down for about another week, we may have got a playoff place. Barnet beat us on our uh, final game before lockdown on a Tuesday night at Kingfield they then went into the playoffs because of the point per game model so it was really really tight and I fully expect them to be involved as well this year well um, we're actually quite late for the break but surprisingly we're not being told <laughs> off by the producer <laughs> when, he's on, <laughs> when he's on I'll just well, carry I, on I quite enjoyed that it was oh, quite a, I, I, feel, think, I think this is the season we get Andy to a non-league game yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, we're determined to, to take so, him yeah. along yeah. But the, the key unique selling point to non-league football for me is the ease and John will back me up here the ease at which you can get a half-time pint and just the, the, the proximity yeah. to the football Ballers. You know, you, there is an involvement with with the manager, the players, uh, and, and it, mm. it feels That's what more. Andy Smart says, yeah, there's, there's, there's yeah. more ownership. You know, the players don't get on the bus with headphones on. You can have a pint with them afterwards. You can even get your hands on silverware. You know, when they parade the Conference South trophies, they have done. Uh, you can have your picture taken with some of your heroes. So he'll, he'll say that some time, yeah. but for it's, some of us, you know, special memories. Well, next season, more than ever, get behind your local clubs Absolutely. and your non-league teams. Well, thank you, gents, and that was Brilliant. great. When, when uh, John just said to Andy, "We'll get him to a non-league game," Andy's mouth said yes, but his eyes said no. <laughs> Because so I said not on your Nelly. He's going to watch Brentford next season. For him, that's non-league football. <laughs> <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll return tomorrow. Jason Bell, formerly of the NFL, will join us. He's going to be on Strictly. He did quite a lot of behind-the-scenes work on Anthony Kreppel. He did. He did. 
we know a lot about him now that didn't go to air. So, all right then, that will make sense. Oh wait, this should make sense. You just listen to the podcast. Hopefully. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talksport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.